reading from the Holy Scriptures. Am I on now? A reading from the Holy Scriptures from the letter of St. Paul to the church at Rome in the 12th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ. We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in Christian love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. The word of Lord for the people of Lord, thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. The mission of each true knight is duty. Nay, his privilege to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go, to write. The unwritable wrong to love your and chased from afar to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star this is my quest to follow that star no matter how hopeless no matter how far Fight for the right without question or pause To be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause 
comes into my life. It was several weeks ago when Pastor Chris talked to me about preaching today, and I thought immediately of this scripture. But just last week, my bishop from Indiana, a man named Mike Coiner, who writes us an epistle every week. This week's epistle, Romans 12. Evidently, he'd gone to a football game. They play football in Indiana. team came out on the field and the crowd cheered and everybody was, was saying wonderful things about the team that was about to play and they went on the field and the quarterback just failed. He couldn't move the ball, he fumbled the ball, and people started screaming at him, all sorts of negativity, all sorts of get rid of the bum, get him out of here, get the other quarterback in, all kinds of things against the quarterback. So the other quarterback went in and promptly fumbled the ball and threw two interceptions. And so now they were against him. And they started shouting at him and shouting him down. And the bishop said this, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. If you follow public opinion, if you go along with the crowd, you're going to find yourself ebbing and flowing in different directions, entertaining almost contradictory ideas, sometimes very close to one another. I'll tell you a fact. There has never been a philosopher in world history that has tried to say that public opinion should be the foundation for governing. Contrary to what the media may tell you, <laughs> or try and lead you to believe, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to discern, understand, and perceive the will of God for yourself, for those around you, for our society, and the whole world. Once upon a time, long ago and far away, actually it'll be 35 years ago next month, and far away, it was in Newcastle, Indiana, and that's over a thousand miles from here. I know because Siri told me. <laughs> I had met this pharmacist. I won't tell you how I got her name, but we were dating, and we decided to do devotions together several times, and we were doing devotions together one day, and we read this scripture, and something happened. 
We came to call it the union of our spirits, but it was a bonding event, a uniting event, a togetherness kind of event that we had never experienced before. And we knew just what to do. So we got in the car, and we drove to McDonald's, and we went through the drive-thru, and we went to the park and had a picnic, where I asked her to marry me. And she said yes, and she's still here today. <laughs> When we got our wedding rings, we had Romans 12, 1 through 21, inscribed inside the rings. They continued to be that important to us. And it was read at our wedding. Our wedding was a rather interesting event. Uh, all the groomsmen were seminarians. All the others were singers and choir members and friends of Maryland's. My best friend and roommate, was a guy with a really Episcopal voice. He had this deep, rich voice, you, like people you hear on the radio. He, he really did a good job of reading. He read the scripture at the wedding. And we did something people don't often do at a wedding. We prayed the prayer of abandonment, which goes like this. Lord, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We are ready for all, we accept all, let only your will be done in us, for in all your creatures we wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands we commend our spirits. We offer them to you with all the love of our hearts, for we love you, Lord, and so need to give ourselves, to surrender ourselves into your hands, without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are our Father. Our wedding was a commission into ministry. We spent the next 20 years, and we're still spending time doing that. My wife's apartment became our first personage. And one day I came home from the church, and there was this letter from the bishop. It looked very fancy, very formal. All clergy persons were commanded to go to a place called French Lick for a clergy spiritual retreat. Are any of you from Indiana? A few of you, so you know what French Lick is. If you've heard of French Lick, maybe you've heard of Larry Bird. He plays basketball. We're used to. So we gathered for the spiritual retreat, and the scripture was Romans 12. And we gathered in small groups that were determined by our geography. In other words, uh, the people who were in my small group were people who were stationed around where I was. So we could get together again afterwards if that were necessary, or if we decided to do that. And we began to look at this scripture and say, if there was ever an impossible dream, this is it. And yet, we were dedicated. We were going to give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. We were going to go out and do our best, and fight the good fight to the finish, and keep the faith. And we would follow a star, but it wasn't just any star. It was the star of Bethlehem. This was our quest, to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, and to fight for the right without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. 
But then we started talking, how are we exactly are we going to follow the star? <laughs> how are we going to do that? How do you follow the star of Bethlehem? We were pretty sure we were not the Magi. We didn't have gold or frankincense or myrrh. Those were not our gifts that we had to offer Christ. And we thought maybe we're a lot more like the other wise man. Do you know the story of the other wise man by Henry Van Dyke? Artaban the Midian, a Mede from Persia. He was going to go with the Magi. He had planned it, and he had gathered gifts of jewels, a sapphire, a ruby, and a pearl of great price. And he was going to meet them, and they were going to go together to follow the star, which they thought led to the king of the Jews. And so they were going to head to Israel, because that's where the star was leading them. And they're going to meet in Persia to take off. Well, he got delayed. His horse didn't want to get saddled, and, and then it didn't want to run fast. And on his way through town, he went through the Hebrew community. There were Jewish communities throughout the world at that time, the diaspora it was called. And there was a man lying in the street dying. So Artaban stopped and he helped the man, got him into a home and got some people around him. And he told them what he was going to do. And they said to him, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. That's Herod's kingdom. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Aha. He had new information. You know, his friends didn't know that. And maybe if he went straight to Bethlehem, he could catch up with them. So off he goes on his horse. He comes to the desert, and the horse can't do the desert. So he sells his horse, but it's not enough. He needs to start a caravan and get camels and supplies, and so he has to sell his sapphire a gift he was reserving for the Christ. He had to use it to get to him. And so off he went, one jewel less, and he came to Bethlehem about four days after his friends had left. And he couldn't find the Christ child. He couldn't find the Messiah. He too was gone, along with Joseph and Mary. But the soldiers from Herod were showing up. They had been commanded to kill all the male children in Bethlehem under the age of two years. And people were terrified. And there was a woman there with a small child. And Artaban grabbed her and ran into a house and slammed the door. But it wasn't long before a soldier came and pounded on the door. So Artaban opened the door and said, there are no children here. Whereupon, of course, the child cried. And the soldier drew his sword, and Artaban reached into his bag, and he pulled out his ruby and said, there is no child here. And the soldier took the ruby and left. And the child was spared. Well, Artaban asked around, where have these people gone? How can I find them? He said, well, they knew they had to escape from Israel because of Herod. So if he ever found him, he'd kill him. So they escaped to Egypt. Well, the good news about that is across another desert, but he has a, he has a caravan, he has camels, he has supplies. So off he goes with his supplies and his caravan 
to Egypt. And he searches the entire country and doesn't find them. He finds people who are in need. He finds people who are hungry. And he gives them some of his food. He finds people who are hurting, and he helps them. He gives things away that he has reserved for himself for his journey. And he travels throughout the world, that world at that time, for 30 years, searching for the Messiah, searching for Christ. And he gives up everything he has, except the clothes on his back and the pearl of great price that's still in his bag. And he hears about a teacher in Israel, some people believe is the Messiah. So off he goes. And he arrives in Jerusalem the day of the crucifixion. And he thinks maybe he can take his pearl and ransom the Christ. But the Romans would hear none of it. And about that time, a young woman fell at his feet and said, help me, sir. Turns out her father had had some bad business dealings. And they hadn't worked out, and he had created a lot of debts for himself, and now his debtors were going to take his daughter and sell her into slavery to pay her father's bills. So Artemon reached in his bag, and he brought out the pearl of great price, the last gift he had reserved for the Christ, and he paid the father's debts and freed the woman. And about that time, the sky gets black and dark. It's obviously going to be a huge storm. It seemed almost like night. And the ground began to shake, and a great earthquake erupted. And a roof tile fell on Artaban's head and mortally wounded him. He fell to the ground. And the sky is opened slightly, and a beam of light shone down on his face. And people around him heard noise. They heard thunder. They didn't know what was going on. He seemed to be listening up into the sky. And then he said something strange to them. Like the righteous say in Matthew 35, beginning at verse 37. Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did I see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked, and clothe you? When did I ever see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king replied, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Be of good cheer, Artaban. Your gifts were received by the Christ. Come and take your place in heaven, to the place prepared for you, from the beginning of time. We are like Artaban, you and I. We have gifts, we have abilities, we have talents, we have skills, we have resources, and we help others. We do it all the time. Sometimes we do it in, in a particular flock that we relate to. Sometimes we go beyond. On occasion, we go looking for the least of these, so we can help them. And sometimes we are criticized for it, 
and sometimes we are ridiculed, and some people say that we are fools to do such things. Sometimes we are attacked. There are terrorists out there who would do us harm just because we're Christians, just because of the values we hold dear. But the world will be better for this. But we few, be we scorned and covered with scars, still strive with our last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable stars. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we offer you ourselves. Guide us and protect us, lead us. We abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you do, we thank you. We are ready for all. We accept all. Let only your will be done in us. For we wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands we commend our souls. We offer them to you with all the love of our hearts. For we love you, Lord, and so need to give ourselves, to surrender ourselves into your hands, with boundless confidence and without reserve. For you are our Father. Amen.